Another exciting uh, episode of the Snap No Tap podcast. Of course, I'm Tony Cicchini, and we have the one, the only, the living legend in living color, Joe Cardinal, a.k.a. Giuseppe Cardinale, a.k.a. Ethel Schwartz. And he's here to introduce our re- one of our returning special guests all the way from, I mean, we fly him in from everywhere, man. This guy's coming in from Cambodia. Go take it away, Joe. Hello, yes. Russell Stutley's back on the show. We're very excited to have him all the way from Cambodia. And actually, before we get started, I, I don't know if you know, Russell, what if you've been paying attention to the goings on here in the States, um, but there's been kind of a, a rash of conspiracy theories and a lot of crazy ideas, people you know, believing all kinds of things. And, I, and I'm glad that we can talk to somebody who's in Cambodia right now about this, because there's a lot of people now who do not believe that the earth is flat. It's, it's come to my attention. There's a lot of craziness out there. And, and I, I know that there's probably a protocol for when you're living on, you know, in Cambodia, the way you're supposed to talk to us in the West. Uh, but just can you be frank for once? So like right now, it's night for Tony and I. It's, it's eight o'clock at night. So normally when you talk to someone in the United States from Cambodia and it's like this, explain how you have to pretend it's daytime there to keep up the illusion of the round earth. What, how does that work exactly? Because can you, can you peel back the veil so that we can once and for all put an end to this, those who are thinking that the earth is round? Absolutely. And as myself and my fellow flat earthers, we've got members all around the globe. Uh, it's a mirror thing. You just stick mirrors up and it appears to be daylight. I mean, here, they're blinding through the window now to make it appear as if it's the same time as over there in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. See, it, it takes it's a, a simple, lot of work. It's a lot of commitment, you know. But yeah, It's a simple mirror operation. And uh, it's something that the governments worldwide have been doing for many, many years. Well, thanks for clearing that up. Because like I said, there's a lot of people who are just not thinking clearly here. There's a lot of social media myths going on and we want to do our part for clearing things up you know and explaining how you know like my son's in thailand he does the same thing and he will he keeps insisting that it's you know it's daytime when it's nighttime and it, it gets very you know tiring uh and he, yes. he won't let on so uh but you know i understand that they you know it's 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 all for the cause yeah i mean over here in asia we all know that it's flat of course everybody knows well, it's a bigger conspiracy than even that. I mean, there's really no such thing as round. Um, you know, like basketball? That's a work. That's a hoax. They don't actually use – they're, they're using Frisbees. 
okay? Flat discs. But it's an optical illusion. People think it's round. It's not. Yeah. It's all flat. And uh, gravity, of course, as well, is an absolute fallacy because the Earth, as we all know, is flying upwards. Yeah. Which gives the yeah. illusion of falling down. Interesting. It's so oblivious, but people just don't understand it. Yeah, and this is what's so frustrating about the education system here is that they just will not clarify these things for our people. And, and, and that, that's the thing we really have to fight against, you know, uh, is it what leads to confusion. It's what right. leads to confusion. And it's the same in, in the martial arts, in self-defense, everything. People are told all these fallacies and they believe them. Yeah. Well, we're, we're too smart. Right today. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're way too smart for that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow, we're super smart. Tea is it all time? See, tea time. Well, Joe's got to do his weekly sales pitch, and then we can get on with the show. All right, everybody, get ready to fast forward the show because I've got about a minute here of make plugs. But please, if you can stand, listen one more time. For obviously, uh, you know, if you want the best price uh, for access for training for the whole enchilada for everything that Tony has to offer. It's the tri C program. Um, Coming to an end in January. That's right. So this is it. We're going to retire it. So this is your chance to jump on it, to lock that pricing in because uh, you will not get that again. Once this retires, it's, it's really the best. It's ridiculous. The amount of material and access you'll get for that price. It's the lifetime membership. Basically you can schedule to come out and train with Tony, uh, when you're in the Chicago area, you know, this is open to anybody in the world. Um, obviously, immediately when you pay, you get access to all of Tony's videos. So it's, I don't know how many hours that is. It's probably hundreds of hours. Um, uh, and then, of course, then Tony, you do like personalized videos, right? Like yeah, once a month, you customize training for people too. So it's not just, uh, you know, kind of a static thing, it's, uh, which is amazing. And since we're on the subject of flat earth and everything and it is lifetime training so if you people believe in reincarnation man you're going to train for you know infinity it never ends you know you can you know you can die and be reborn and your training still goes on that's true this is guaranteed for the afterlife too i believe you give a yes. lifetime uh, yes. afterlife guarantee so yes you've heard it here um uh yeah so it's all videos uh uh, you know, like right here, I'll watch a video of you and I'll make the corrections and I'll say, you know, I'll, I may, I may refer you to one of the existing videos, but it's always, nope, here's what you got to do. It's all custom catered directly to you, specifically for you. So the way Joe would train would be different than the way Russell would train because they both have different backgrounds and different skill sets and abilities and so on. And then we have our $10 a month membership. Go for that, Joe. Yeah. So obviously, you know, uh, even though it's very affordable to try C program, obviously the holidays are coming up. Not everybody can do it, which is unfortunate. But at a minimum, everybody who's a fan of, you know, uh, our style of catch and has been enjoying the podcast or watching our free videos up on YouTube or just wants to support, honestly, wants to keep our lineage of catch wrestling and boxing going. Um, what you can do is join our $10 a month uh, membership, and that gives you uh, unique videos. We actually have like a little excerpt up on our YouTube site now of the videos. So 
you know, Brian and I will come out and we'll train and we have some questions for Tony, or maybe it's in response to a student's questions, we'll, we'll give answers to those. But these are unique videos. These are not videos that have been filmed before. And those you have access to, uh, you know, one every month. So that's uh, just for $10 a month, which is, is next to nothing. And yeah. if you can't even do that, at least show your thanks, show your appreciation for what we do here. Uh, there's a $5 a month, like kind of a Patreon thing, uh, just to, to say thank you for bringing world-class talents like Russell here and all of our guests. We've had some great talks over the last several weeks, uh, all you know, free to anybody who's willing to dial in. So please consider donating uh, to help out. So cover our costs. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah, I think so, pretty much. And, you know, let's let's keep it going. Um, you know, and speaking of Christmas time, Santa, there is a Santa Claus. So that's a, another, see, again, they're trying to say, ah, that's all, you know, it doesn't exist. It's all, no, he, it's real. It, it, he, I, believe me. Um, so talk to him, you know, say, hey, Santa, I'd like to do the Tri-C program. Or, hey, Santa, I want to do the monthly membership. Yeah. It might, you know, that's definitely yeah. a way to get off the naughty list, right? The Tri C program, boom, you're right off. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, that's uh, you can't get people in with the big the best. If people want the best Christmas present they could ever get or give, make it the Tri C. Well, that's, that's true. And speaking of gifts, Russell is here and he has some announcement on a new uh product or training re regime. Uh, let's let Russell discuss that. Go ahead, Russ. I don't want to do a shameless plug, but if I have to, okay. Well, we, <clears throat> as you know, I'm national boxing coach and also been made like the coach of coaches been promoted. Ooh, get that. Oh. So, so um, and lecturer of boxing. I don't know quite what that means, but probably talking a lot. I do that. <laughs> Anyway, we filmed some boxing stuff. There's 12 DVDs of it. <clears throat> I mean, and it can be download or hard copy, whatever you want. So there's, um, you know, lessons vary in length from a few minutes to 20 odd minutes. And there's something like about 70 odd lessons on there, over 12 DVDs in different subject areas, like stance, footwork, the various punches, the defenses, at a basic to intermediate level. Um, because we've got more to do. Obviously, boxing is a huge subject all of its own. Um, things about distance, timing, angulation, how to generate power, how to truly understand the relationship between your distance and the opponent's distance, because many people understand, stood in a stance, and uh, I know from some of your stuff, Tony, I've seen it where people get in a stance and the stance is perfect, if the guy was here, but the opponent's just here. So the stance is perfect, but the angle's wrong. Right. So it's not perfect. So it's understanding those distances so that you can get your strikes in and keep yourself safe and things like that. And some principles, because same as with Tony and the Tri-C, there's millions of principles in there that you can apply to everything. So we try to show some principles that you can apply not only in what we show, but also apply it to various aspects of boxing. And, and is it already for release? Yes, it's already up there now. Uh, go to thefightingcoach.com. Well, uh, uh, Joe will put a link in our uh, description here. And yeah, 
I've, I have not seen this product of Russell's. I've seen everything else. And believe me, Russell's top shelf. People, you know, sometimes, Russell, it's they, they hear the pressure point thing, right? And so here in America, I don't know what it's like in Europe or where you're at in Asia. Uh, it gets a bad rep. And, and you aren't even part of that type of pressure point uh, uh, scenario. You're a whole complete different thing. Um, so... I really highly recommend Russell's stuff. I just do. Uh, and because when I first met Russell, I didn't know what to expect. But when he started talking about, you know, we, we met at my gym and he started talking about real fighting. Okay. And I knew the guy knew what he was talking about. Uh, you know, he wasn't relying on some mystical uh, hocus pocus, you know, and I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't exist, mystical stuff, but Russell's was very practical, very street oriented and uh, he's very gifted. He's very good at it. No, thank you, Tony. That's yes, high I mean, praise from, from yourself. But the problem with the pressure point stuff is that years ago, when it first came into the fore, the people pushing it, they, they, were, they were great for pressure points, but also very bad for it, because people like yourself will see through all the bullshit. Yeah. So you knew that you could just walk straight through what they were doing. So because of the way it was presented and the way they were applying it, people like you would just go, that will work on me, smack, I don't even need to use any catch, I just swing a punch at you, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I was looking at some of the stuff and think to myself, well, I'd walk through that. I'd just walk through it. And then as we started to get into it a bit more and met different people, there were certain ways of training and understanding. He said, hold on, I'm not going to walk through that done that way because the technique is being done correctly. And it's a, it's a bit like um, you take some of the techniques like, like top wrist lock or whatever. The way a lot of people were, were doing it before you, it would work, but somebody like you would just get out of it every single time. But if you were having your top wrist lock applied on you, you wouldn't be getting out of it every single time. Right. And there are pressure points. I mean, we use them too, you know, but it's a different, it's, it's not mystical. I never claim that a pressure point is going to end the fight. It's, it's a means to an end, right? But as you know, when you box, when you spar, even when you wrestle anything, when you're moving around, if you got to hit a little tiny point, it's not easy. Okay. It's absolutely not easy, especially against the moving target, a guy who's, you know, shucking and jiving and blocking and everything. It, it's not the easiest thing to do. So no. you can't rely on a, a, I'll call, I'll use the term gimmick. I don't mean it like that, but you yeah. can't rely on a trick like that. You have to have a whole vocabulary of, of, of techniques to draw from and, you know, and, and put them together coherently. It's that we keep saying to people, the, the pressure point stuff is what you add in once you've got everything else right. Yeah, you can't take somebody who can't punch for toffee, show them a pressure point, and all of a sudden they can now punch. And it's ridiculous. But that's the way it was being taught before. So you get somebody who couldn't fight, would know where there's a couple of points, demonstrate them, and in demonstration, it works. And we might demonstrate it in a similar way because you don't want to hurt anybody. No point in, in smacking somebody as hard as you can on the jaw to prove to them that there's a weak area. Right? Well, it's, so, 
it's the same with submissions. You know, everybody wants to come up with these new submissions and shit. Yeah, they'll work if the guy's letting you do it. You know, uh, try to get them. You know, uh, that's the thing. You're going to get those submissions. You're not going to get them on me. You're not going to get them on other guys who are crafty or skilled. Uh, you know, it's it's not just the submission. It, that's just that's just part of it. You know, it's an ingredient, but it's not the finished meal. Exactly. But that when you're teaching, say, top wrist lock, you don't whack it on 100% speed and power when you're teaching it to somebody. You, no. you show them step by step by step, gently, so you're not damaging them. Step by step, each little little integral part of that technique. And I've seen you teach it and watched you teach it on DVD. You're talking about you know, the angles, the misalignment, where this should be, where your hand should be, where your elbow should be, where what what angle you're moving at, what direction you're going to take their arm in, what how you're doing this, what twist you've got, what all of those things that are going on, you explain bit by bit, which is part all those little parts make up the whole technique. And what people were doing before with pressure points, they were teaching it on its own and none of the technique. So it had no chance of working or very little chance. And what we do is we say, here's all the, let's say there's 10 bits for argument's sake to make a technique work. The 10th bit is the pressure point, but you've got to have all those other nine bits in place first to get this to work right. Otherwise, but if it if you haven't got the pressure point, it doesn't matter because you've got the technique right. Yeah. So that's the way we've always taught it, which to me seems a bit obvious as the right way to do it. Well, one of the things with anybody, you know, an instructional video, it's kind of static. That's where like something like what you offer training and like my Tri C program. If I'm watching, let's say you said, let's say your your lesson I give you is the top wrist lock, and you film it and I review it. Well, now you're going kind of live, maybe, right? So I can say, here, this is what I didn't show on the Lost Start of Hooking or whatever video. You know, if the guy does, if you, if the guy does what your training partner did, here's what you do. You know, and you start chaining and chaining and you know, showing all this other stuff. You cannot do that in an instructional video. You can't cover everything. It's like you know, you can't be like a dictionary, right? You can't say everything possible. You can't cover every scenario. Uh, otherwise, the videos would be, they'd never end. They would be, each video, each technique would be 100, you know, 100 hours long, you know. Um, and I think that's a lot of times people miss that. They think, well, okay, I saw it. Now I got it. No, no, you don't because there's varieties. Excuse me. There's variations. There's... uh timing there's this and that same with your stuff pressure points or even boxing you know uh boxing really when you think about the lack of offensive techniques right let's call it six maybe six strikes um depending roughly you know that's not a lot and yet boxing has survived you know for so long people still get hit people still get knocked out with just those small amount of technique, as opposed to grapplers who are always trying to reinvent the wheel, trying to come up with something new. You don't need something new. You just need to get better at what's out there. Okay. Become more crafty, become more, uh, uh, you know, intense with your theory study, you know, figure out um, scenarios and situations, just be cunning. You know, don't always try to look for something new, like to catch somebody by surprise, because 
even if you did, uh, you know, it will, it, it's exposed. It's that you're never going to do it again. All right. So eventually you're going to run out of things that nobody's seen before. And now what? So get good at what you know. Um, you know, just use a few techniques of, in, in the beginning and, and, and get great, become very, uh, you know, just sneaky, you know, okay. make the guy have a panic attack because he never knows what's coming. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I remember something about 20 odd years ago, a mate of mine said to me, we were doing a lot of work on power generation and we do an elbow that's pretty hard. And uh, showing it to my mate, and it, it stuck with me what he said was, he said, yeah, that would be absolutely effing devastating, as long as you can land it, mate. Yeah. And that stuck with me. And fr from the second he said that, me, him, and a few others, all we ever worked on from there on in was the entry and the exit. Because we knew we could hit hard. Yeah. We knew we could hit. So the most important bit is getting there, isn't it? You know, I mean, if, if you've got the best top wrist lock in the world once you're there, it doesn't matter if you can't get there. Right. You're just a demonstrator then, you know, and there's yeah. a lot of guys through the years that were just demonstrators of holds, okay? Yeah. They couldn't really do it against a non-resist or against a resisting opponent, a non-compliant opponent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's there's that. a place for them. There is a place for them, no time, isn't there? Because they could be a great coach of how to do that top wrist lock once you're there. Yeah. They might oh, be, yeah, they absolutely. Might be somebody else to teach them to get there, but they might be the best guy teaching you what to do when you're there. Well, that's the thing. When I met Lou, Lou Thez, I was, you know, already been doing catch wrestling for, what, 20-some, 30 years almost, something like that, yeah. uh, 20, 25 years. So... I mean, I knew all the holds. There was nothing I'm not going to see. But what Lou and I exchanged ideas was our setups, our strategies, and so on. And I showed him things he didn't see. He showed me things I didn't see. Little things, man. Little things that most people would be like, well, what's that? What's that? That's the key to the universe, man. That was great. And, and that's the thing. It's not this big old show me a move. I want to see a move I never saw before. Goodbye. You're not going to get anywhere in the world. It's the little things, you know, it's, you know, just the setups or like I said, the entries or the just slight variations or modifications. It's been, you know, Lou used to say that when he used to travel, well, he traveled the world doing like professional wrestling, of course, you know, mainly all work matches and whatever. But I mean, he knew the goods. He, he learned from the legit guys back in the old days, just like I learned from a legit guy who was back actually older than Lou. Uh, but Lou would go around and see other countries and see things, see the way wrestlers would do a certain move or something. And Lou would say, I would take it back home and I would work with it. I would tweak it. You know, I would make it more entertaining for one for, for show wrestling, but also if it had a potential to lead into a, a concession hole, uh, he would do that too. Okay. So for me, I never dealt with the, the demonstrate, you know, the, the, the performance aspect of it. I didn't care about that, but Lou cared about both and he needed to, cause he was a heavyweight champion of the world in professional wrestling, but he was also a hooker. You know, he was still, you know, a, a phenomenal fighter and submission guy. So 
I really loved that guy and, and the way he, he thought. He never quit thinking about, you know, submissions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you understand techniques properly, like you and, and, other, and a few others, just those tiny little, little things that make up part of the technique can have a huge impact, especially when it comes to something like striking or getting getting towards putting on a hold the entry. I mean, <clears throat> we know things like just moving the front foot or the rear foot just slightly can, can have a huge difference on the range of your strike. You could make oh, yourself yeah. four, five, six, seven inches closer without moving closer to the opponent because you've got that extra reach. And we had one particular one that always blows people's mind where we teach them, and I, I demonstrate, I like to do it with people who are much taller than me and got a much longer range, much longer reach, is I move my foot, my back foot backwards. So I say, look, I'm going to move away from you. So I move my back foot backwards and then get closer to them. They can't reach me and then I can reach them because of the angle. <clears throat> and people... That blows people's minds that you can move backwards but get closer. So we call it move away closer, just what we call it. But all it is is just changing the angle of, of where your long part is, the oval of your length of reach, goes to the short part of their reach. So their, their angle is great if I'm stuck here, but I'm here. So it, it, their longest way is over there or over here. But you're coming in at a different angle on them just by altering that back foot. It alters your, your firing line. And if their firing line is off at an angle because their stance isn't quite as it should be, you've suddenly got reach on a taller opponent or any opponent. And you can only do that because the earth is flat. See, if the earth was round, it, yeah, that wouldn't work. Of course, you just off, off, on, the, on the angle, yeah. Right. And, but really, it's all mathematics. It really is. All, and that's why it ties in with like music. Music is math, too. But this is a different kind of math, okay? This is, you know, angles and 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 um, like multiplication of force. You know, the angles like you take a lever. Archimedes, give me a lever and I'll move the world. Yeah, because a little a, a little lever like that is not going to do you any good. The longer the lever, yeah, you know, the the greater the 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 the, the force is generated to move. Um, and in these principles, see, so many guys learn because their coach taught them. They showed them the move. They learn by rote, but they don't understand the principles. Their coach didn't understand the principles. His coach didn't understand the principles. They just did it because this is what they were told to do. And, and that happens in a lot of things, not just martial arts, but a lot of times people just learn because they were told, just do as, you know, just do as I say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like that. I always try. Sometimes I've, I think I explain it too much. People probably get bored, but you need to hear it. You need to know why you're doing this. So you can not only explain it to somebody else, but if you ever find yourself in a situation where what you just did didn't work either because of your something you did or your opponent is uh, a different structure. Well, now you know the underlying principles and you'll be able to figure out how to fix it. You know, you're a troubleshooter that way. Um, and in, in the auto mechanics world, you know, that's the difference between a technician and a mechanic. You know, a technician is supposed to be able to diagnose shit and figure it out. Um, 
and that's what that's what we're all about. You know, we're we're technicians here, man. You know, our job is to figure it out, especially even like not just for yourself, but as a coach. Oh my goodness, now you got to figure out like people that aren't even anywhere near your body structure. You know, they don't move like you ever moved. They're not in your type of physical condition. So they can't do like you do. They can't yeah. do like I do. They can't do like Joe does. They they just not they're not capable of it. So what are you supposed to say? Well, you got to do it like me. No. You have to you have to be smart enough to make them adjust. I'm looking around because my lights are flickering for some reason or another. Um but yeah, it, it's it's just there's so much to it. And that's why I I sometimes I warn people about watch who you train with. You know, yep. sometimes these flashy fancy guys you know, that's nice. It looks great and it's really attractive and oh wow. But you you can tell that okay, this guy probably doesn't know what he's doing because this is a move that you never would use. You know. If you understand the principles that make a technique or te any technique work, if you understand all those principles, then everything else kind of starts to fall into place because you can self-diagnose as well. Yeah. Many times with our guys, they, 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 they say to me, oh, I'm struggling with this technique or struggling with that technique or whatever. They start to try to do it and they videoed it, sent it to me. I'll explain to them what's wrong, but also say to them, you know the answer to what's wrong because you, but you just need me to ask you the question in the right, what, right way. You know, things like what you do when there's a big gap you're trying to put a lock on, for example, if there's a big gap, you take away the gap. Have you misaligned the guy, yes or no? Have you done this? Have you done that? All of those. And when you ask the question in the right way for them, they know the answer, oftentimes. And if they don't, they still can start to learn it. And this yes. is one of the things that I think is so great about what you, the way you teach, Tony, is that it's all these principles. And you're talking, because it's principles of technique, this is what... I found amazing when I first met up with you was that you're talking principles of technique. We're talking principles of technique from different backgrounds, completely different backgrounds. And a lot of the terminology was the same. And I remember saying to you years and years ago, years ago, why do you call it like that? Why do you use that term? Because I've never heard anybody else use it apart from us. And I remember you saying, well, there's no other way to explain it, is there? Yeah. And I thought, yeah, 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 good point. <laughs> That's probably right. Yeah, and no, I... Home because it's principles, 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 which can apply everywhere. Well, that's it. And when, in the, and when you really truly understand principles of it, you know, as opposed to just memorizing techniques, you'll see a lot of similarities in other sports, not, not just combat sports, but, you know, sports like, you know, your, your football, soccer or baseball or football, you'll see, you know, the... Yeah, it's it's just all about understanding, you know, physiology, you know, how the body works and how it moves. And you need to know everything about creating the perfect body so you can learn how to destruct that that perfect body. OK, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm a demolition man. That's my job is to destroy you and demolish you. Right. But I also know how to build. You know, I'm also I can also construct this body. So. If I can construct it, I want to destruct it. And that's how I want my students to, uh, to uh, be. You know, I want them to understand things. Um, 
and getting to the pressure point, I've run into some of these pressure point guys. They cannot explain it. Okay. They can't explain what's happening in their world. Even though nothing's actually happening to me, it's supposed to happen. Explain to me what you do. Explain it scientifically, medically. The ones that I've met, now I'm not saying there, there's none out there that can't explain. I'm sure there are. But the ones that I've met cannot explain it. You know, they don't, they don't, they haven't either been taught it or they don't care to delve that deeply. I do. I want to go, I want to go all the way in. I want to know everything about it. You know, um, they can't explain it because they've learned monkey see, monkey do. They haven't learned principles. So unless they're able to do it on you exactly the way they've been shown or taught or teach, and you stand there and allow it to happen, Unless it's done that way, it won't work. And somebody like you will be called a non-responder. I've been yeah, well, called a non-responder. But even yeah. if it does work, let's say they do, it does it yeah. and it works. You know, I want to know why it worked. Tell me yeah. everything about it. What's going to happen to me? What nerves did you hit? You know, what? You, that, see, that's the thing. You've got to know this stuff. You know, yeah. I at least I, I would, you know. Um, yeah. And see, when I... Uh, yeah, I don't want to delve back into my training as a kid because there was a part of part of my problem, not my problem, but part of the, you know, Rod Van didn't. There was term, there was words in Polish, you know, that he did, you know, he English wasn't his first language. Okay, let's put it that right. way. Um, right. You know, just like you, you know, you guys don't speak like proper English like we do. I don't know what the hell you guys talk, but it isn't right. Exactly. You know, um, exactly. but the thing here is. I want to know as much as I can. I want to know everything. You know, I just, I don't want to hear some joke and, you know, and blow it off. Don't, don't blow it off. Tell me what's happening. And if you can, then you're my kind of people. If you can't, okay. Have a good day. No. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm the same. I've got to understand it because, and, and my thought process on it, I think it's similar to yours, Tony, is that if you're going to be a coach, <clears throat> or instructor, Sifu, Sensei, whatever you call yourself. Guru. Yeah, Hi. Guru, that's a good one. Grandmaster, Master, whatever. You've got to understand, it's your duty to understand your subject in, in depth. It's your duty to understand that in depth. And if you don't, then you're lying to yourself and more importantly, you're lying to those people that you're supposed to be teaching. Well, and it's on you. Yeah, it's on you to learn, you know, um, even if you just were taught the techniques, let's say your instructor just didn't know. Well, yeah. you can still learn on your, you can still study. You could start taking anatomy classes or buy books and learn, you know, about the human anatomy. And, you know, there's, there's nothing stopping you. But, you know, um, nowadays... Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I said that I have a problem with people who don't know. I've got a problem with people who don't know but think they know and 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 will not try and enhance and further their own knowledge, but still talk like they know it. Well, nowadays there's no excuse. I mean, you could just go online, and and I don't mean to a bullshit place. I mean, literally go to a medical WebMD or download a book. Uh, you know, uh, you know, a true medical book. Uh, you have all the access. You don't even have to go to the library. You, you really don't, you know? Um, it really is that simple, isn't it? It really is. There's, It really is. You know, and it's that kind of stuff is legitimate. You know, it's not somebody's YouTube channel where they're, you know, blowing smoke up your ass and shit. You know, um, Joe and I, uh, about what, 
couple of months, Joe, a couple of months ago, I sent you a link. You couldn't even watch the whole thing. This self-defense instructor uh, had a, a huge following. He has over a million subscribers, over a million subscribers. And this video had like 250,000 views. And man, he was terrible. It was a joke. It was, and he, he was, you know, he was an army guy or whatever. He wouldn't, I shouldn't say army specifically, military guy, law enforcement, all these, he was bad. He was bad. The thing he did was, was <clears throat> utterly, I don't know, Russell. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous, even against, not even against a trained fighter like us, just against a thug. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Any, any guy who was athletic would have blew through this guy. Remember, you know what I'm talking about, Joe, right? Well, there's so many of them, I get confused sometimes. Well. <laughs> hey, Russell, I did want to ask you, because I know you've been on the show before and talked about your background, but, you know, for people who haven't heard some of the, the episodes when you were on, could you explain your background? Specifically, uh, I know you've done a lot of different martial arts, but maybe focus on the boxing aspect of it uh, to kind of give some context to the, the boxing uh, videos that you're selling. Yeah, well, the boxing thing was... It's just one of those things. We're just very, very lucky in terms of the people I've met, and trained with, and stuff like that. So, again, going back twenty odd years, um, met up with people like Harold Graham, who was a famous, famous fighter in the UK, and possibly one of the best fighters that never to win a world title. He, um, fought the likes of Mike McCallum when he was at his peak. So he's around in those days. Was always in the top sort of five, six as a middleweight. And so I remember Harold came to my gym for an hour one day. Somebody said they knew him. I didn't believe him. He was one of my heroes in boxing. Came to my gym. We were doing you know, what we thought was boxing and kickboxing at the time. And uh, it was incredible. He, he wanted to know what we were doing on this pressure point. Shit. <laughs> so he, he ended up loving the pressure point shit. And obviously we're loving the boxing. And what was supposed to be an hour turned out to be a whole weekend. And then what he taught me in boxing was what we were doing in self-defense type stuff, scenario, more stuff, where we say, let's say you need to be for a real fight in terms of angulation, footwork, stuff like that. But at the boxing that I was going to, I was learning from somebody else, boxing lessons. I was doing what he was telling me to do, a good martial artist, do what your instructor tells you to do. So I just, it was just beat the karate guy up each week. And then when Harold said to me, how do you do your self-defense stuff, your normal stuff? Well, we do it like this. He goes, we'll do that in your boxing, you idiot. It's the same thing. The stance was the same, the way the rear foot was, and all these other sort of little bits and pieces. To do that in your boxing. So when I went back to my boxing guy on the Monday, nobody could hit me. And it'd been months just beat up the, the karate guy. So it was then that Harold and I just gelled, and I ended up doing just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rounds with him. Other boxers, Big Paul, who went on, my guy who went on to fight Anthony Joshua and things like that. Um, so we just did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rounds and just training all the time. And then Harold and I would go around teaching all around the UK, 
Cyprus and Malta, different countries, and just having an absolute blast. You know, when you're training with somebody of that level, who was just insanely good, insanely fit, and you know, had a reputation where if you threw a, a handful of rice at him, he just dodged them all. You know, wouldn't get wet in a shower. That sort of movement. <laughs> and uh, when you're training with him, and you realise the levels of boxing and the amount of information he had, because he was also incredible. In, passing on the information. Other people wouldn't understand it because they either weren't ready or whatever. But I could sit with Harold and just do something, do some work or even just a chat over a cuppa or something like that and learn more in five minutes than some people would in, in years of training because he had so much to give. He could explain what he was doing and how and why it was working. Most people just looked at him and say, oh, this is how I stand. Nobody would ask, why is that foot like that? Why have you got that angle? Why is this here? What? But I'd be, because I want to analyze and break everything down into little principles, I'd be saying, why is your front foot there? Why is it angled that way towards me? Why is this here? What? And work it out myself or ask the question. And it would be things like, oh, I'll push down on this foot here because that then sends the energy up through, goes through my knee out here, and then I can deliver the punch quicker or I can snap this out faster or I've got this angle. And then all of those things will build up. So then the boxing knowledge just increases, increases, increases. And then I was very lucky to train with uh, people who were Commonwealth Games, fifth, fifth place Commonwealth Games, sparring with people like that, sparring with various champions in different countries, Cyprus, Malta, England, and just building up the knowledge base and then helping other people. So then boxers would come along and say, how do I hit harder? Because we had a reputation for making people hit very, very hard. And then it just sort of built from there. And you're just very, very lucky with the people I met. And I've always been that fortunate. You know, I meet people like Tony and then, I, you know, things like that. It's just very lucky. I've been lucky too in, in, in that regard. But it would be nice to get Harold on the show, on the podcast. You know, maybe you yeah. and him, you know, uh, that it would be great because, uh, you know, he was a just, you know, world-class boxer, and, you know, they, I I knew a guy here in Chicago, but he passed away, Johnny Lira, wasn't probably at Harold's, well, they were comparable in certain ways, but Johnny wasn't, he was a different type of fighter. Um, he would have been interesting to have on, you know, yeah. but uh, he's, he passed away. Uh, 2012, it's going to, you know, it's going to be 10 years, it's hard to believe, Um well, it's going to be nine years coming up. He he died in December, so um, next year will be ten years. But no boxing, any you know, even wrestling to a degree has things. Um, but you know, I I was going to mention that I I remember once I was a junior in high school. We we went to a new high school. All of us we were the first boys at, at that high school. Um, so uh, there was another kid in my junior class. He was a really 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 good boxer. And there was a senior, and he was a martial art guy. He was a karate man. He was a black belt karate guy. So one day they were going at it, just goofing around before class in the gym. And, you know, it was interesting. You know, was, I, I enjoyed watching it, but it was, it was kind of like, 
you know, everybody was like, ooh, man, you know, uh, uh, they, they were mentioning the karate guy. Oh, he had, he had the boxer backing up. Well, yeah, in a way at times, but it's because there was, there was no power. I mean, you know, they weren't trying to hit each other or really kick hard because, you know, if, if they were going full blast, Honestly, the karate kid would have been down, you know, um, you know, when you're just throwing out like just this with nothing behind it, you know, it's just love taps, you know, uh, it doesn't mean anything, you know, <laughs> so we use that same term. Sorry, we use that same term of a love jab. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. So I, I saw that once here at my gym or no, was that when I was at teaching out of Triton, um, Bruce, my Bruce, <clears throat> was goofing around with somebody that was they were just playing around with the stick and knife well they they had magic markers right yeah and you know he he got marked on the arm and then the guy oh i got you i got you it's bullshit <laughs> okay it was a little nick on it wouldn't have done a damn thing in, in, a, in a real life situation so i think a lot of times people get people get caught up in that uh hence back in the 60s and 70s point karate guys some of them could not make the transition to full contact, okay? Yeah. It's a whole different world when you're doing full contact. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about the dead, but, you know, I knew Leon Spinks, and I know what he said to me personally about his exhibition with, with Joe Lewis, Karate Joe Lewis. You know, there and Joe Lewis was a full contact karate yeah. fighter, don't get me wrong. I mean, he started off with points and all that, but, yeah, boxing, it's funny. I've said this a million times. When I was a kid growing up, martial arts was the biggest thing in the world. And boxers and wrestlers were not martial artists. They let us know that all the time. And now MMA, the two of the biggest styles in martial arts, mixed martial arts, is boxing and wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> That's two of the biggest martial arts styles. But back when I was a kid, even not even a kid, just even a young man in my 20s, Nobody considered a boxer or a wrestler or martial artist. Not at all. And yeah. I would say we're the real martial artists because, you know, those techniques, boxing and wrestling, have actually been used in combat, you know, in wars and shit. Guys will throw punches and pick you up, wrestle you and all that. Uh, isn't it funny, though? I find yeah. it funny. You may not. I, 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 find, I find there's a deep irony in the fact that People have spent years looking to the East for their martial arts stuff. And then when they want to find stuff that really works, MMA, they come back to boxing and wrestling, which they left well, to go and find all some, the other stuff to come back. Now, there's some very good martial arts out there, very good martial yeah. artists. Uh, I don't care. They like to make fun of karate or whatever the style is. I've seen some of those guys, especially when I was young, do crazy things, man. They were badasses. Um, but yeah, I get you, you know, uh, to me, a good boxer, a good wrestler, if you have that combination, you you know, you're, if you get beat, it was because you screwed up somehow or another, because that's really, you can control the landscape. You can knock the guy out. You can stay on your feet because of the wrestling or take the guy down because of the wrestling. If you're good and you, and you combine it, you know, um, and but a lot uh, of those good guys, I know a lot of great fighters from the UK, karate guys, Taekwondo guys. But they'd be great. I always said, and I, I put it in my book, what I wrote years ago, right? Those people would be great if they just studied tiddlywinks because they could fight. 
Yeah, yeah, they have the. They yeah, just they happen to be doing Shotokan or Taekwondo or Shokukai, whatever. But they could fight. <clears throat> they'd be great at whatever they did. If they if they'd done kickboxing, they'd be great kickboxers. If they did kung fu, they'd be great at kung fu. They just happen to be doing that particular art. That doesn't mean that that art is right. It just means that they're a good fighter. Well, they're they're athletic, yes, and they they're they're good students. And you're right. But you know, by the same token, you know, you you got to have something that's going to matter. You know, if you're if if you study how to flick fingers all day long, you might be the greatest flick finger artist in the world. It isn't going to, it's not going to hurt. You know, I remember being told, you know, um, by many boxers, like what happens when a guy's throwing, you know, throwing a lot of punches, just, just keep throwing punches, you know, throw as many and hit as hard as you can. Okay. I mean, you got to be in condition, but you know, that's it. Sometimes being cute may not pan out, especially in a street fight. You know, sometimes you just got to be able to wing it. Um, but you got to have the goods to do that. So, yeah. but it's a age old thing, isn't it? A, on to B, yeah. <laughs> as fast as you can, kind of works. Yeah, but especially if you have good structure behind you, you know, and you're not just arm punching, you know, yeah. um, which really doesn't make sense to me. I never understand. I mean, it takes actually less effort to punch properly than it does arm punching, you know. Um, because you'll wear yourself out, you know. You're throwing your whole body weight. Prove that to people. I continuously prove exactly what you've just said to people every week. Because there's so many boxers that are arm punches. And you see it everywhere. I mean, you talk about the watering down of martial arts. Boxing has been watered down tremendously since the good old days, if you like. Because everyone's a boxing coach. Right, including me, I suppose. Everyone's a boxing coach, but they do a lot of box fitness stuff. It's suddenly a boxing coach. And everybody's arm punching. Yeah. They get knackered in a round or two. And you try to explain to them how the punch isn't just your arm. And you show them. And then old fat dick can do 10 rounds and they're fucked up. They're messed up after two or three. Something wrong. So how can I be 30 years older than you blah, 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 and do more than you when you're supposed to be a boxer. That makes sense. It's because they're arm punching and they haven't understood, they haven't been taught properly. The fact they haven't been taught probably isn't their fault. But what I'm trying to say is that there's so much watered down stuff out there and you see it in martial arts. I've seen it in martial arts over the years and I see it in boxing there as well. It's ridiculous. The The... Yeah, you know, the highest level, the, the highest level is the highest level. But there's so much crap. It's bad, real bad. Hopefully it'll get better, but there's there's a lot of bad stuff out there. I don't I don't know if it's going to get better. Now, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, you know, a private so. investigator, but I would say it won't, only because people are getting paid tremendous amounts of money now for, for doing it not the best way, right? So yeah. where's the motivation to take it better? There isn't. And now, with bo- I don't even want to get on this subject, but now boxing has become, it's it's embarrassing. But, you know, everybody's fighting Jake Paul or whatever, the, the guy, Logan Paul or whoever they are. You know, I mean, uh, all these old timers are coming out of retirement because money. I mean, I, 
Man, I don't know. I, mean, I can't blame them. I mean, I mean, let's face it. If, if we got offered ten million to fight Jake Paul, we'd be there, right? But, but, but again, I mean, these were some of these. You know, they were like champions and like put on a pedestal. And you know, there's there comes a time when you. I don't know, man. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but man, you got to have some sort of dignity about it. You know, if you're past your, if it's a true exhibition, okay, where you're laughing and just having a good time, but these are not really that way. These are actually like matches, you know, and that bothers me. Um, I remember, you may not know who these guys are, but on the Tonight Show, Johnny Carson, they had on Gene Kelly, who was like a world famous dancer in the movies and everything. And Gene Kelly was very old at the time. And Michael Jackson was really popular doing the moonwalk. So Gene Kelly was being interviewed. And he's like, that's nothing new. We've, we've been doing that moonwalk forever. He says, I was doing that back in the 30s and 40s. And it's a simple move and a uh, dance move. And then uh, Johnny said, Johnny Carson, the, the host said, would you, would you demonstrate it for us? And, you know, the audience is clapping. Yeah, he's like, no, no, no. No, I'm retired from dancing, okay? See, Gene probably could have done it, but he was an old man. He wasn't in his prime. He wasn't in probably dancing shape. And he had some humility about it. He wanted people to remember him how he was on the silver screen, you know, as opposed to getting out there and maybe, just maybe, you know, kind of tarnishing his reputation. Um, And I'll never forget that. You know, it it impressed me. Um, It really did. He's old school, isn't he? He's old school. He's long gone now. He passed away a long time ago. But, yeah, he was old school. You know, he did movies with Fred Astaire. I mean, yeah, with Fred Astaire, Frank Sinatra. Singing in the Rain is the Singing in the Rain, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, but, but, hey, you're right. If these people can make money, you know, so be it. Yeah, if I could do it, I would do it. If I could make that kind of bread, yeah, okay. But by the same token, I'm not Mike Tyson, you know. I'm not – Holyfield, you know, I don't, I don't have 40 million people, you know, that worship me for 20 years, you know, and, and all of that chance. I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy that does his own thing, but you know, just like, um, I've seen people, right. I've seen, I'm not going to mention who they are because they're famous and I've seen them in person. You know, especially like when I was bodyguarding and shit. And it was, they were nothing like their on-screen thing, right? Uh, there were some of these people, three in particular were first-rate, complete assholes, just terrible people, right? And it kind of ruined it for me, right? It's like, man, I can't ever watch their movies again because I, I know the guy now. And it wasn't just like I just met him for five minutes, okay? This was over the course of a couple of two, three days. You know, so I'm like, yeah, this is the real person. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it just kind of tarnishes it to me. Yeah, see, I think with these exhibition stroke fights, whatever they want to call them, with these Jake Paul, Logan Paul, all that sort of stuff, <clears throat> I I get it because apparently, I, I mean, I didn't even, I don't even know, still don't really know who these people are, what they do. Apparently, they're huge on YouTube. I don't, I, I really don't get how or why. But, but their audience is all youngsters. And these people don't even know who the likes of Holyfield are. They have to Google them to find out. So to them, 
somebody like Holyfield hadn't even got a reputation. And yeah, the right. of us who grew up with Holyfield, because we were all roughly the same age, you just go, how could he be doing something like this? Same with Tyson and Jones and all that. I mean, to us, it's tarnishing everything. But to these lot, they haven't got a clue who they are and they don't care. Most of the point, they don't care. They don't care. We care, but they don't. When Rocky Marciano fought Joe Lewis, and Joe Lewis was an old man back then, a boxing old back then, I think he was 37. <clears throat> yes. Marciano beat him. And yes. Marciano wept. He cried. Marciano wept um, because Joe Lewis was no longer Joe Lewis. He yes. wasn't the Joe Lewis, the Brown Bomber, uh, you know. And, you, you know, that's just, you know, talk about total respect. You know, that's it. Um you know, I think I told a story here on the podcast once about me running into Aaron Pryor when he was in Cleveland living upstairs of Rich Giacchetti's place. And it was sad to see a guy who was so great, you know, how he ended up becoming, you know, and it just, it affected me. And I was young, not like a kid, but I was like a young man and it affected me. Um, of course, he had bad circumstances, but the thing is, you know, Hey, like you said, you know what? Who's to say if they can make money, go ahead, do it. But that doesn't affect the way you see some old timer fight now. That's not a a fair representation of how they fought thirty years ago when they're prime. I mean, you look at Roy Jones in, in his prime, and you look yeah. at that exhibition with Tyson, or or any of Jones's later fights where he got smashed up. Yeah. But, Jones in his prime to me was was basically untouchable. I don't. In fact, I go as far as to say with Roy Jones that I don't think we actually ever seen him at his absolute best because nobody made him have to fight at his absolute best. Yeah, until it was too late. All right, until yeah. his reflexes and so on. Because um, I, yeah. I, I think it was that good that we never actually saw him being as good as he could have been, if you like. I mean, even the fight with Tony, I mean, Tony's a legend. Even the fight with Tony, Jones made it look simple after a couple of rounds. Yeah, I met his, uh, James Tony's manager, Jackie Callen, here in Chicago. He was, James Tony wasn't here, but she was, she was here for another reason. Bobby Hitz uh, used to promote fights. Bobby Hitz actually fought George Foreman in Foreman's comeback. Right. Bobby almost made it out of the first round. He, I think he got that some doing. <laughs> yeah, he got knocked out with like 10, 15 seconds. The fights were, were stopped. But Bobby told me, he's like, you'd be surprised how fast Foreman was in the ring. Didn't look so fast because Foreman had 24-inch arms or whatever, you know, But um, back then. But, yeah, uh, Bobby was a promoter. And I used to go to his fights. He used to have one. Always was on Thanksgiving Eve, I think. So me and Jerry Sigler, my accordion teacher, used to go all the time every year. Um, sometimes the fights were good, most of the time, not so good. Um, but uh, he uh, he had like a lot of local fighters, you know, uh, you know, Rocky Martinez, you know, Martinez, he was um, always a, a good show. And then there was uh, oh, Tony uh, La Rosa from Melrose Park, you know, who had a thing with Lenny LaPaglia, who was from you know around Elmwood Park. It was like, you know, Italian thing. Um, but yeah, those were the days. Those were the yeah. days. I have, 
I haven't gone to the fights. Of course, Bobby, to my knowledge, Bobby quit promoting a long time ago. He I think he went through a divorce and, you know, whatever. Last time I saw Bobby Hitz, he was the doorman, uh, like a maitre d' at Gibson's, which was a fancy steakhouse. He was in Rosemont. He gave me his card. I, I, you know, he wanted to keep in touch. I never, I just didn't, but um, no reason. I mean, I always liked the guy, but you know, things happen. Life goes on. You know, I moved, you know, he wasn't working there anymore. You know, shit happens. You know how that goes. Yeah, but, it, it, when you said you met Aaron Pryor, Pryor was one of my favorites. He was just perpetual motion, that guy. And I say to guys today, watch Aaron Pryor. Just watch. Just watch him. Just he's like that Duracell bunny. He just he's just nonstop. I said, you watch him and just if you can go like him for 15 rounds, you're a proper fire. Yeah, the uh we had in Ohio. Well, he was actually, I believe, from Cincinnati, but that's far yeah. from Cleveland. But he was in Cleveland. This was after, you know, he was going through things. Um, but we had outside of Cleveland, out to the west, uh, to the east of us, we had the hardest hitting heavyweight of all time, Ernie Shavers, Warren, Ohio. I met him, uh, saw him fight. Uh, we had from Youngstown, which is right there. This is like 90 miles away, right on the border of Pennsylvania. We had uh, Harry Arroyo, and of course, Ray Boom Boom Mancini, um, you know, these were these were the guys when I was a kid growing up, you know, uh, they were, uh, well, Ernie Shavers wasn't a world champion, but the other two were, and, you know, Ernie was just, you know, he had that reputation of being such a heavy hitter and this and that, and he They're was- world a, champion today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he was, yeah, he, well, he was a large guy. I mean, I, I was like- 14, 15, I think. I don't recall exactly now, but I was, and I was small, uh, thin, you know, I was probably 140 at the time, 150. But, you know, he was just a nice man. See, when you're that good, I mean, he could kill you with a punch. I mean, he could kill just an ordinary person if you hit him in the head, right? <laughs> um, when you're that good, you know, and you're fighting guys like that, Ali, Ken Norton, all those, you know, just the toughest guys. You're not going to mess around with with a, with a punk ass in a bar unless the guy, you know, you know, puts his hands on you or pulls a weapon on you. They were gentle, you know, and they didn't they did not want trouble, okay. As opposed to some people who are just looking for trouble. You know that we don't need to drop names, but you know, it's like, what do you have to prove? Why are you proving something? Why why beating up some guy in a bar? Why arguing? You know why? You're a professional fighter. Do it for money. Get in the ring. That's why these top proper. What I call proper, like like Ernie Shavers, who don't need to prove anything. I call them proper. These top proper guys like that. They're they're, they're the sweetest, nicest people. You know, simple as they could. Like you say, they kill you with one punch. People have no idea just how hard these heavyweights hit, these top they, guys. They have no idea. They're absolutely no idea. You could have been training all your life. You've got no idea how hard these guys hit. No idea. No, uh, you don't. And I'll tell you something. Um, when, you get, when you get hit by somebody that really knows what they're doing, and I've had it happen, yeah. Your bones hurt. Your bones. Your bones hurt. I mean, it's, you know, your body shots, you think you can take these things, man. You know, your arms, everything. It, 
you don't have a clue until you've been there. It's, it's, it's a whole world of difference, you know? Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it lasts, it's a memory. Okay. And I, I'll tell you, I've been jumped with baseball bats and pipes and shit like that. Naturally that shit hurts, but getting hit by these guys, it's a, it's a different kind of pain. Different kind of pain. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a pain that's not surface pain. It just like goes, it goes through you. Yeah. Whereas the ball bats and shit are like surface pain, oh, right? Because they're swinging and pulling back, swinging and pulling back. These guys just bam, they go right through you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have a saying that if they hit you that hard, your grandkids will have bruises. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, but I remember with Big Paul one time we were sparring and we had a real heavy, heavy spar, and we had the you know the jigsaw mats, martial arts jigsaw mats type thing. A meter by one meter max that everybody has on the floor. Imagine them, or or a chessboard or something like that. And Paul's caught me with a sort of a, 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 a in between a shovel hook and an uppercut on the ribs, right hand. Like a half uppercut, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he moved me sort of like one square back and two squares across. Right, and it lifted me in the air. He was, what, 240-odd at the time. I was probably about 180, something like that. And he it lifted me in the air. And we used to joke sometimes where if you got caught with a good one, you'd sort of, like, pretend, drop down a bit, go, oh, 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 and when they come in close, just nail them or something or take them down or something like that. Just joking, you know, pretend that you're hurt. So I'm on all fours, and... Paul, no, that really, really fucking hurt that time. It really did hurt. Don't, don't. And he sort of like, I'll get out, Russell. You're only joking. I said, no, I'm not. Go away from me. It really, I'm really, no, this really hurts. His former ribs were broke. Wow. Going, Paul, it really hurts. Don't come near me. No, look at that. And I'm, imagine I'm on all fours. He still thinks I'm joking. So he's come up and then kicked me in the ribs, thinking I'm joking. So I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm really not joking. So then he, he took me down to the local, local hospital, four ribs, can't do anything with it. But that was one punch. And uh, again, heavyweight, proper heavyweight punching. And uh, we had, I took him to, you know, the top gyms in the UK wanted to take him on as a pro. His first amateur fight, knocked the guy out for two minutes. Next one, knocked the guy out for 26 minutes. Which, as we all know, to knock the guy out for two minutes takes some doing. 26 minutes takes a lot of doing. Well, at that point, you got to be worried that you killed the guy, you know, um, that he's going to have irreversible brain damage or something. Um, Well, you know, I was a smaller guy, so I was really more or less a soft puncher. At least I thought I was. And my coaches all wanted me to be very defensive. They were trying to protect me, you know, um, protect my head and everything else because my grandfather was a fighter and he was all punched out and shit. So they tried to, like, make me a very defensive fighter because I was fast. I, I, I was always quick. So I had more, that was my better um, attribute, right? As opposed to power. I wasn't a big kid, you know, so I was wiry and, you know, um, and I, I found out later through one of my coaches, you know, he found out that I could take a punch really good. And that's the worst thing. You know, he's like, I, I'd rather you not be able to take a punch because because you're just going to get brain damage. It's going to keep coming and coming and coming. That's when he decided to, uh, you know, really make me move and not get hit because I would have got, 
you know, I would have gotten hit a lot. Um, so in essence, what I'm saying is I did not have a glass jaw. So if I had a glass jaw, you hit me, I'm out. Fight's over. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and now, and again, that's another thing. I never got that. You know, um, he protect, he did his best to kind of like protect me and shit, but, um, yeah, everybody's different. Everybody has their, their thing. Uh, but for me, yeah, I just, I, I was born with, I was always fast. I don't know why I just was, I mean, I'm not saying I was the fastest human that ever lived. Don't get me wrong, but I, I was quick. And, uh, so that was my, that was my thing. Even when I wrestled, I mean, move, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place on the ground. I like to be all over the place. Yeah. See, I, I'm quite lucky in being so slow, but also untalented as well, which helps. <laughs> well, don't forget you're ugly. So that, yeah, yeah, that <laughs> works. <you're, laughs> How could I? How could I? I get reminded every day when I try and shame. Yeah, you scare people with that. Now, Joe, you don't have that problem because you're, well, actually, you're devastating. Your looks is what, right? I mean, talk about it. Well, right. That's the problem is it actually, like, it's it's twofold because, yeah, sometimes it shocks them into, like, you know, like, they're just in awe and then they become just a static target. But other times it draws envy and anger and it becomes something people want to hit so that's why i also try and be defensive you know you got to protect the money maker you know that's why head movement is so important that's why i'm a big advocate advocate for keeping your hands up um and actually kind of a call back to something russell was saying much earlier in uh, in this discussion but i was thinking about it then you know kind of in these um boxer aerobic kind of classes because i've seen uh boxing or striking classes that kind of run like that and they they're they're in my mind their priorities sometimes are 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 misaligned because yes strike when you train striking whether it's kickboxing or boxing obviously it can be a very aerobic you know and and benefits you physically for doing that but um if it's so easy to get into bad habits with that like if your main goal if if the coaches or whoever the, the personal trainer you might have is really just trying to burn you out or not burn you out, but just, like I said, the emphasis is, a, is getting a, a, getting a sweat or a workout in getting your pulse up, but they're not focusing on the details of like, are you dropping your hands when you throw that jab? Are you, are, are, are you letting your hands slowly drop as you're getting tired? You know, I just sitting back and watching, I'm, I'm no expert boxer at all, but I know enough, you know, from learning from, you know, the likes of you, Tony and, I'm sure Russell would agree, but I've, I've just seen the bad, the subtle, and it kind of go to also something we said earlier, just subtle little points can make the difference between you get surviving a punch, you know, having a glance off of you or taking it full on, you know, and, uh, and the difference of a few inches of where you keep your hands, where you keep your chin uh, can save you, can save you in, in, a, in a real striking scenario. And, and so when um, it's, it can be very dangerous, uh, you know, and that's why I'm very excited about Russell's uh, video releases is because hopefully, you know, um, it's like in some of these people who, you know, kind of we were talking earlier, um, you know, are these these nuances, these important nuances going to be lost? And I, I don't know, but I do think if people are in an environment where they're allowed to develop these bad habits, um, and like I said, sometimes they're very subtle to the untrained eye, you may not see it. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to, some of these people may learn the hard way when they strap on gloves and go on, especially with someone with experience, you know, whether it's someone with even could just be random athleticism, you know, they might even be a trained fighter, but if you have, if your fundamentals aren't there, 
um, you know, it's just a game of probability. You're, you're probably going to take a shot. And hopefully if, if someone is like, I've had things early on when I boxed back at Deggerberg, you know, I, I learned very quickly how much I was a fan of proper stance, defense and footwork. Um, because when I was sloppy with them, I, I often paid the price, you know, um, you know, I take some shots I didn't want to take. And so I guess I, again, I'm going back. I'm, I'm very happy that Russell is, is it sounds like it's very in-depth look at boxing, you know, that it's not just a kind of very superficial, here's your jab, here's your cross, you know, here's your hook, now go at it. Um, that, you're, you know, you're well, taking the time to really die, to go over it. Let and me just ch chime in uh, well, on two things quickly. The, the aerobic boxer guys or whatever, the karate aerobics, yeah, you, you're also injury prone. When you're throwing crazy punches, weird, you know, you're going to hurt yourself, all right? And you're just adding terrible muscle memory so just get them to throw the punches proper 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 uh the other thing is before russell talks about his boxing is boxing has as many styles as if not more than martial arts okay you got a thousand martial arts styles you got you got dozens of different i mean i don't know how many different styles of boxing but just like wrestling so many different styles johnny lira and i used to go at it because johnny was not a very he was like a robot. He he didn't have that movement, you know, like like I like to like I learned and his coach, Chuck Bodak, was one of his coaches, but Bodak was his main one. Bodak's like, no, you don't want to waste energy, you know, all that bullshit. I don't agree with that at all. You know, they didn't know about as much about conditioning as we, you know, years go by. But you want to move, man. You want to have that movement, you know, you don't want to be, you know, you know, sitting duck. Um but anyhow, yeah, boxing, you go to five gyms, you'll probably learn five different things, five different ways. Go ahead, Russell. <clears throat> exactly right. I mean, I, but there's actually a whole DVD, one of the DVDs just talks about boxing styles. And uh, so and on, on the one that we do, we say, we start you this way because it's just a, a, a decent, basic foundation but you will adopt your own style with it. Just like you've got your own style of wrestling. Once you understand the principles of it, you're going to fight your own way, but your main bit will be whatever it is that you've learned. But the people need a foundation that's solid that they can always fall back on. So if things yeah. are starting to go wrong, they can fall back to a way that's going to keep them as safe as possible. But the, you know, you've got the main, you got things like peekaboo, like, Obviously, because Floyd Patterson was the first guy to do it properly, and then Napoli's, and then Tyson. A bit all from Custy Amato, but Patterson was the first one to do the peekaboo. Tyson was slightly different with his peekaboo because he he did have his front foot further forward than Patterson did. I say Napoli's did. They, they were more square on, so their numbering system works. The numbering system, when you got one foot forward. Sometimes it doesn't make so much sense if somebody's a southpaw because of the way they do the number system. But if it's more square on, it makes all the sense in the world. And you got things like your know, sword and shield. You've got the long arm, you know, arm across the heart, you know, arm up, backhand up by the chin. All these sort of things are developed in different, I think in Texas, the arm across the heart style tended to be more used, like Larry Holmes, Klitschko's, who dropped from the high European. Vitali down to the down here. Lewis was here, still with that long front arm. All these different styles and different ways of doing it. 
you've got to find one that works well for you and keeps you safe. You look at the likes of Larry Holmes. I mean, to my mind, certainly in the, I'm not going to say he's, he's the best heavyweight ever, but to my mind, he's in the top one. And I just think that you watch him, the way he moves, his jab. Yeah, he had a good jab, man. Oh, I mean, he knocked people down with it, knocked them out with it. I mean, he's just insanely good. I think Lennox Lewis, uh, to my mind, number two, three in the world ever. I think his, 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 the way he could use his jab, you know, people think there's just a jab. You know, people don't know. They don't understand that there's thousands of jabs, you know, and different ways of doing it, different types of feints, turning it into different things, setting up with it, using it as a power jab, as a feint, as a touch, as a movement. As a, and look at th things like um, Bob Foster, who's a... Yeah, light heavyweight. Yeah, what a champ. He used to jab past the backhand and then pull the backhand down as his jab retracted. So he could pull their backhand down and throw the right hand, things like that, or pull it down right and then follow up with his front hook, which was devastating lead hook. He had. You know, the knockout of Corey with that left left hook was insane. I mean, all these sort of things, different styles, people they just don't seem to understand. Or the old time, everybody today's head hunting, with the odd exception. And they're all pretty much the same. So when the standard is lower, like you're talking about earlier, Joe, with the, the multiple people in a class, if the standard's always lower, you can still get a good fight or because you get a sock and rock and fight because the two, the skill level's about the same, not very good, but the fight looks pretty good because they're, they're going for it. But when you look at the old time, if you imagine if, if the likes of Duran... Leonard, Hagler, Hearns, and that were around today. Holmes, those sort of people. It, 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 these guys wouldn't, they wouldn't last a few rounds. You know, heavyweights today are finished after, but look at the Wilder Fury fight. It was an entertaining fight, very entertaining, but Wilder was done after three rounds. You imagine him against the likes of Holmes, Lewis, you know, uh, Holyfield back in the day, Riddick Bow, or go back in time, older fighters, all of those guys, Frazier, Norton, Ali, Big George, all of them, they kill them. Absolutely kill them today. They just, just go through them like a dose of salt. Because their skill level was so much higher. And their, their knowledge of the game was so much higher. I mean, just look at the people down in the corner. Big George, even young George, had, had like uh, Dick Sadler, didn't he? Archie Moore, and I can't remember who else it was, in his, in his camp, in his corner. I mean, that level of knowledge, Archie Moore, I mean, the Fennec, you got him, you got him helping you in training in your corner. You got some knowledge there, more knockouts than anybody else ever. He's had more knockouts than these, these legends today have had fights. Well, you know, I, yeah, I, it's a, it's a, it's a bygone era. Okay. You know, and people always compare eras, but boxing is different except, except for the heavyweight division. Boxing is different because of the weight categories. Okay. Um, they've added a lot more weight categories since the glory days. Okay. 
super this and junior that and you know all of that stuff but you know you're cramming in you're still fighting 165 pounders fighting 165 pounder you know 100 years ago right heavyweight is different heavyweights they're they're much bigger guys now but yeah i i i mean man the 60s and the 70s probably were the were to me the peak i think by the 80s it was starting to go down you had Hagler, you had Tyson and, you know, Holyfield shit, people like that, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, – I caught the tail end of it, I think, you know. I, I caught the tail end of it. Uh, I don't even follow boxing anymore because – or I don't get a chance to watch any of it. I don't – you know, um, th- my life has been different the last 10 years, you know, since – or so, you know. Um, and I don't I don't get to see those things. Um, maybe, maybe my life will get back to that where I can, we'll see, but I don't even know if I want to see it because I'm not impressed when I see the clips afterwards, you know, little clips of something on YouTube or, uh, yeah, YouTube or something like that on the internet. I'm like, well, you know, I saved myself 50 bucks or whatever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, I mean, back in the day, Everybody knew who the champs were. You know, you, you had, you know, you had to, everybody knew who the champ was, the heavyweight champ. Everybody knew Hagler was middleweight champ. Everybody knew Duran was lightweight. Everybody knew what, Leonard, whatever, and Hearns, all that. People just knew. Imagine Duran today, what he'd do to all this stuff. It, it, it would be yeah. murder. <laughs> they just they, it just goes through like a dose of salts. Imagine what Hearns would do to these lot. What Hagler would do to them all. I mean, Hagler was something, man. But again, you know, we start talking fighters, we always forget names. You know, Carlos Manzan. I mean, there yeah. was there was so many. I you know I don't even want to go down that road because there was just so many of them. You know, Carlos Palomino and Alexis Arguello yeah. and. Hey, Salvador Sanchez, my guy, yeah. what he oh. killed, died at 21, you know? Ricardo Lopez, unbeaten yep. as an amateur, unbeaten as a pro. And nobody talks about him. I know. And Sanchez, what a great fighter he was. What about when he, when he um, knocked out Azuma Nelson, who went on to become a great himself? Yeah, it's, you know... It, you know, it, well, now with MMA, now boxing was declining before MMA, you know, so that, that's a fact. But MMA, people want to see that. Okay, you got to give the people what they want. They 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 want to see that. But you know something? I still think if we could go in a time machine and have Ali Frazier again, I mean, that would dwarf anything. I mean, that those were epic gladiator shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just, you just, that was just, I mean, it's just, well, it was fight of the century. That's it. Yeah. But you you imagine if those sort of guys were around today, what they would do to the heavyweight scene. They were larger than life. That's just the thing. You know, um, they were super famous, especially, of course, Muhammad Ali. But these guys were like, really 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 famous and um you know like today a lot of fighters mma fighters they walk around with the cauliflower ears and all of that and people will be like hey you're a fighter because they'll see the ears 
you know, and they'll assume that you're a fighter. But Frazier and those guys, you know, they look for the most part, I mean, maybe their noses, but outside of that, they look kind of normal. People just knew who they were because they were that famous. Okay. They were just like famous people. Um, Sorry, I just wanted to say something. Here's the thing as well. Them heavyweights back then, they're doing 15 rounds. Yeah. And they were going at it. They could go at it 15 rounds. Heavyweights today couldn't do that. Yeah, no, their conditioning was, yeah, they were, they were in great shape, you know, conditioning wise. And for those of you who are listening or watching and never, never really boxed, you don't realize how much it getting hit takes out of you. You know, uh, man, it just, uh, it's a whole different thing than wrestling or, or, you know, jujitsu or something grappling. It's a different, it's a different thing. I mean, and it, it kind of takes your will away too. When you're getting tagged all the time, Boy, you quickly lose your will to go on. I mean, you got to really suck it up. <laughs> we say to people, you think you're fit, do a round of boxing. That's it. If you think you're fit, do one round of boxing. Have a go. You see you know, I, think there, <laughs> I think like 30 years ago, you guys could probably look this up. Joe's good with looking shit up. There was a newscast, a news, uh, a news writer, sports writer out of New York, I think. And he got sick and tired of hearing about basketball players being the best athletes in the world. And he took some couple of them, I think, from the New York Knicks. And I think he took them to Gleason's gym or something like that and just had them work the heavy bag. Yeah. And they, they were gassed. They couldn't get through it. Just the heavy bag workout. Yeah. Because people just don't understand. I tell everybody um, that I've ever met that's involved. But now, this is amateur wrestling I'm talking about now, not yeah. MMA, but boxers are in far better shape than amateur wrestlers because amateur wrestlers don't have to wrestle that long. Okay. Boxers back then were going 45 minutes with one minute rests. Now they're, you know, 36 minutes. If they go 12 rounds, that's still a hell of a lot of time. Yeah. People have no idea how hard it is. Like you say, you go on the heavy bag, do a round on the heavy bag. Now imagine doing 12 rounds. I can't imagine that. Now imagine doing 12 rounds and somebody's punching you in the face at every opportunity. (laughs) Well, yeah, and these guys, most of them, when they were going 15 rounds, unless it was the, like, Ali Frazier fight, they were good for another five rounds. I mean, they could have, you know, most of them weren't (laughs) dropping dead after the, you know, they still had another three to five rounds in them. I mean, this is the kind of conditioning we're talking about here. Um, it's, It's incredible. And wrestling is a completely different thing. You know, it's a different, you're training for a different thing, right? But yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, boy, man, uh, boxers are like the Energizer Bunny. Go, 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 man. Never, I mean, good ones. You know, guys yeah. that, that take oh, their God. training seriously. Yeah. Um, it's very impressive to me. Yeah. Uh, Most of these 12 rounders today, these 12 round fights today, those fighters are not 12-round fighters. They're more like 10-round fighters who are doing 12 rounds. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I know what you mean. Yeah. And it just, I'm just, yeah. I, I really like the old school. That's why I like old school training methods and stuff like that. No pads. You know, pad work is bullshit. Well, the way they do it is bullshit. We do show proper pad work because, to me, pad work is about teaching not about work, not having a workout, doing all this bullshit. You know, yeah, I, 
yeah, I saw something a couple of months ago, three months ago, two months ago, whatever, on local TV, morning yeah. news. They were at some gym, and they had a girl, actually. She was actually better than the guys. But she was pretty good. Yeah, yeah they were doing the, the pad stuff, you know. And really, all you're doing is this. You're moving your arms six inches yeah. or something, you know. It's not like you're, you know, full, you know, it's, I, I, it just gets, there's a place for it. Don't get me wrong, probably, yeah. but yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I think there's better ways. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I say to people, if you're only doing it as a workout, you're not interested in being a boxer, nothing else, you're just having a workout and having fun, do it like that if you want, I don't care. But if you're telling me you're a boxing coach and you're telling me that's your fighter and you're doing it like that, shame on you. Simple as that. Well. Because you're not teaching the fighter, you, you're teaching them bad habits and you're not, you're not coaching. You're just doing well, it. You know, Box fit workout. Floyd Mayweather does it. You know, of course, he's the best, but, you know, that shit. But, you know, yeah, I get you. I get what I, I know what you're saying, you know, but to me, you can even get the one you got to have the heavy bag. You know, I, there, I, you could even simulate a speed bag. You can get away without having a speed bag if you have to. But yeah. you got to have a heavy bag and anybody can get a heavy bag, you know, um, and just hang it, you know, and just work, work that and move around it, you know, boom, boom, boom. Um we you all know, say heavy bag, heavy work. That's it. You, you just need to, you know, you, obviously you're skipping, blah, blah, blah. Shadows, heavy bag, sparring, done. You don't need much else. And drills, you got proper drilling. Correct drilling, none of the bullshit that you see where, you know, do 10, you do 10 back. You've got to drill it properly. But all this pad work, bullshit, I, I don't do pads. I don't. I, well... Yeah. Occasionally, I do to, to to teach them distance and how to land the jab properly. Yeah, and don't be standing in front of whatever the pads or the heavy bag or anything for a long time. You know, three seconds move, you got to be out of there. You don't want to be in front of your opponent. Like John, you know, Johnny Lear always said it. You want you want your opponent in front of you, but you don't want to be in front of your opponent. And that's all about copping angles and shit. So these guys that are standing, I get mad at Joe and all these. Well, Joe's good now at it, but. In the beginning, you know, he'd be freaking punching and just standing there like this. I'm like, move, get, move that head, you know, change your angles, man, because this guy's going to block and he's going to counter you. You got to not be there. You know, you got to have those angles and it takes fitness. You got to be in shape, just like for martial, you know, like grappling and shit. You got to have conditioning before you can do anything, right? Conditioning is first and foremost, but it isn't the only thing, but you have to have the conditioning so you can do the thousands of reps you need. But man, goddamn, don't be in front of the, the bag or whatever. Just move, move around. Get these angles and, you know, just we don't see a lot of that, you know. And and, and I'm an old school guy like you, Russell. Um, I like that kind of stuff. You know, I like the the the, the subtleties and the it's yeah. a bygone era for the most part. I'm sure there's guys out there that do it, but like I said, I haven't been following boxing uh, much the last ten years. But it's I, I miss all that stuff. Yeah, there are some who do it, but the vast majority, when you watch them, if they just throw just to say a simple one-two, right? I say simple. Obviously, there's a lot more to a simple one-two than a simple yeah. one-two. But if they throw a simple one-two. They don't move their head before or after, before, during, or after. Yeah, well, and these are champions, I, and these are champions not moving their head before, during, or after a one-two. 
you know, I don't know what to say about that. You know, I mean, you know, it's not a big head movement, just slight. That's all you need. You just need a little bit, you know. Um, I'm, I'm talking, there's not even a little off center or foot, foot. Yeah. To me, you got to teach the defense at the same time as you're teaching everything else. So I always say to my guys, when you're on the heavy bag, you've got to enter as if it's a fight throw whatever it is you're throwing, even if it's just a single jab, and you've got to exit as if it's a fight. So you've got to, you know, if you've thrown a jab, if you've thrown a jab, do you just stand there with your head there and wait for him to hit you back? Or are you going to be moving? Are you going to be moving on the way in? Are you going to be moving as you throw it? Are you going to be keeping yourself protected on the way out before you come back again? Yeah, and it's simple physics. I mean, an object in motion is what you want. A, a frozen thing, it takes too long to accelerate. You want to be in motion already, you know, so you, and then you have to have control of your body. There's a lot of science here. We can't really get into it on a podcast, especially for those who are listening on, on uh, they're not watching us, but, um, you know, it's, it's like there's so much that's missing. And now, I'm, you know, they don't do this really in MMA. So this is going to be gone. You know, this is going to be lost, you know, forever. And, man, I while I'm still alive, I want to at least teach this stuff to people, man. You know, all the little shit that you can just do at your own house. Just get used to moving, pivoting, and getting those angles. And, oh, and it's fun. Yeah. On all of your stuff, all of your DVDs that I've watched, and I've I've watched practically all of them, haven't I? But you're never stationary doing anything eh? it's never <laughs> do this move don't move anything else you always talk about how your whole body's got to be incorporated into everything that you do it's well, never isolated oh i just moved this i've moved it but my body's being used as i'm doing it and it's the same with boxing you see people teaching just a punch but they're not teaching the how it comes from the feet they, they say oh it starts at your feet yeah but yours doesn't the way you're teaching it you're talking it, but you're not teaching it. And but nobody's, you're not nobody, but it's weird that you see the whole body being utilized. Whereas you're always saying it and doing it in every every part of every single DVD I've ever seen of yours. It's always, well, the whole body's got to be used. It should be, yes. You know, I mean, you can get away with it when you're going up against the fish, right? But when you're going up against somebody talented, you you know, you really should always do it correctly. You know, um, yeah, we do get in bad habits sometimes as an instructor because we're, we got to keep our head up. We got to talk. We got to look at the camera. It makes it a little more difficult than to just go at it. But um, I'm just telling you, this is why I'm not impressed with a lot of people because they miss, they're, they're, they're showing all this fancy shit, you know, ooh and an on when in the meantime, it's like, man, you've made some fatal mistakes here. There's gigantic flaws because you just don't see the principles. You know, it's, it's all about the pyrotechnics at the end. And I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm a detail oriented guy and I could sit there and say, Hey, that the way you finished was fine, but you're not going to finish. You could have gotten manipulated by somebody who knows what they're doing. So, but you know, I, I don't know how many, how much longer I'll, you know, be coaching even, you know, um, hopefully many years. Nobody knows what's in store. 
but <clears throat> I think I left at least a little bit of a legacy. Um, and I hope to leave more. I have some ideas for 2022. Some of them I'll talk to you one day soon on a Zoom. We'll have to do a Zoom, Russell. Um, but, uh, you know, just today during the podcast, I just had another idea that came to me. I'm not going to say anything publicly until I run it past uh, Joe or the guys here in Chicago because I'll, I'll need some help. But, um, but yeah, we're going to keep on plugging away. And uh, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see your boxing video series. And, you know, maybe you and I will tie up somehow and do something together or some project. You never know, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, if flights open up, we'll be over there. We'll be over there. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk. We'll do a Zoom coming up. Um, but anyway, the clock on the wall is saying it's about time to wrap it up. I want to say thanks again for uh, Russell Shirley. You know, it's I'm glad we established that the earth is flat. We all knew that, okay? Um, and we know nobody ever landed on the moon. Come on. You, what, are you kidding me? The moon, first of all, is made out of cheese. We all know that. So who they how small it is, too? I mean, I, I can cover it with my hand. So how could someone be on it? Right? You ever notice how small it is? Maybe you, Tom Palm. If yeah. you look at it, you can go like that, and it's in between your fingers when you look through Exactly. So right there. The proof is right in front of us. The well, is- but it just takes some common sense to work it all out. Well, Joe's going to put a link to Russell's stuff. I hope you uh, people will at least think about joining the monthly membership site. And if you can, uh, the spots are basically almost gone for the Tri-C program. I want to, I really would try to, I would, uh, hello, I would really like to try to keep it open until January 30th, uh, 31st, I mean, um, to get you guys signed up. But again, as I said, if the slots get filled up, I'm going to have to shut her down. Um, but I really hope you, you can sign up. Uh, it's, it's a good, you know, I got a good crew of guys on, that, that are on the Tri-C and it's a good routine and, and it, and it really works well, um, you know, with the back and forth videos and, uh, actually with my home gym, it's actually much more convenient for me and quicker for me, uh, than having to hike it on down to the gym and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I can film at different hours of the day, normally very early in the morning. Uh, and stuff like that. So I really do hope people do take advantage of it while it lasts. It would be a benefit to both of us, um, you as well as myself. It, it not just financially for me, emotionally for me, it, it's, it's my way of, of still being able to teach. And, you know, it may be my only way of teaching, you know, be, via distance learning um, for quite some time until you know, my personal situation with my mother and everything else settles in. Um, but outside of that, I, I do appreciate Russell. We, we, I asked him last week, I'm going to reach out to another one of my uh, old Goomba. Well, he's not a Goomba, but one of my old friends, uh, another world-class martial artist. I haven't chatted with him for a while. 
Uh, I think I'm going to try to get a hold of him this week and see if he could appear on the show sometime before the holiday season. Um, it would be a very nice thing for everybody to tune in if I can get him as well. Joe, what are your parting thoughts? Well, just again, thanks, Russell, for being on here. It's always cool to hear from you. You always have interesting perspectives. Um, I would encourage anybody who has enjoyed hearing this, definitely check out some of our previous podcasts with Russell's because he gets into a lot more of his other aspects of his martial arts training because it's very diverse, very unique and interesting. You know, like I think that's why Nico likes it so much. It's like I said, it's a very interesting mix of, of skills that you have. And it's not just esoteric stuff. It's, it's esoteric stuff that's built uh, on a realistic foundation, you know, which is it's such a rare, uh, interesting com uh, combination. So it was very exciting to have you on. I'm super happy that we can try and support you in whatever way we can. Uh, so yeah, just thanks again for being on. And uh, it was great talking to both you guys. And don't forget to check out Jason Bender's gym, Josh Pacini. Um, Rick Solo, Rick Solo, Solo, the Akai Kano. Yeah, a lot of great schools in the area that we are, are friends of us. And uh, you can find, like I said, high quality instructions there. I forgot to plug them at the beginning again, but if you've made it to the end here, those are definitely highly recommended places to work out at. Okay, everybody. Thank you very much. And, and I've got to say that people need to get on that Tri-C because training with Tony is going to be the best thing that they could do. It's It's Plain and simple. I've been saying to people for years and years and years, ever since I first saw Tony stuff, that's the stuff that everybody needs. It's plain and simple, the best, the best that you'll ever get. That's it. Thank you, Russell. And I'll see everybody next week. Bye.